Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast, which delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 70, Dirty Jeans with Dr. Ben Lynch. And today's topic is going deeper down the rabbit hole of epigenetics, specifically nutrigenomics, and how your genes can influence you, but not define you. Yes, so Dr. Lynch really is just a biochemical wizard, and he's been sought out by medical professionals as the go-to guy for all things methylation and genetic SNP. And we do go over a lot of foundational information on the concept of nutrigenomics, methylation, and SNPs. So if this is losing you, I actually encourage you to pause this episode and be sure to catch the episode prior to this, episode number 69, where we lay some more of the foundation. For then sure. sure <laughs> and then um, make sure you listen to this one after that. Um, I personally had a lot of really great aha moments during his awesome interview. And the timing couldn't be more perfect as Dr. Lynch just put out an amazing book, Dirty Jeans, and he's just wrapping up the Dirty Jeans Summit. And so I was super pumped to interview him as he is also a Bastier grad where I graduated from my nutrition degree. So uh, I'm going to give you his bio and we'll welcome him right onto the show. Dr. Ben Lynch received his cell and molecular biology Bachelor of Science from University of Washington, and his naturopathic doctorate from Bestier University. His passion for identifying the cause of disease directed towards nutrigenomics and methylation dysfunction. Currently, he researches, writes, and presents worldwide on the topic of MTHFR and methylation defects. He is the author of Dirty Genes. You may learn more about Dr. Lynch and his work at drbenlynch.com. Dr. Lynch is also the president and founder of SeekingHealth.com, a company oriented towards disease prevention and health promotion. We will, of course, put both of those links and a link to his awesome new book, Dirty Genes, in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get rocking. So Dr. Lynch, I know we are super excited to have you here, and Allie especially is super excited because she's a fellow Bastyr grad. So welcome to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Excellent. Thanks for the invite, ladies. Great to be yeah. here. Yes, we are bringing you on following, as we mentioned, our episode on epigenetics and methylation. So we tried to lay some foundational information for listeners so that hopefully we could take this a little bit next level and nerd out with you today. <laughs> nice. so, so one of my favorite phrases from you, Dr. Lynch, in your book is, genes don't lay the law, they negotiate with you. Um, I'd like to open with that and have you tell our listeners a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah, that is a great line. And, and uh, basically what that means is they are negotiating with you because they are there to serve you, right? I mean, our, our genes are there doing work for us every millisecond 
of every single day that we're alive. And so they are designed to support our life. And if we do things that aren't really conducive to supporting them, they're going to say, uh, hey, you're, you're not really helping me out here. And I'm going to nudge you a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of a headache because you're not sleeping or you're too stressed out or you're not eating very well. And so I'm just going to give you a little subtle hint that, you know, I'm getting a little bit dirty and irritated right here. And so they're negotiating with you. And so you, you get the headache and then you understand, oh God, you know, I didn't sleep last night or I'm dehydrated or yeah, I did drink too much wine. So you, you change your lifestyle habits and then Eugene say, ah, thank you. So that's basically what I mean because they're there to support us. And if we don't give them the tools to do so, they're going to knock on our doors and those doors are called symptoms. And uh, if we don't want symptoms, then we have to do what they want and that's support us. So I love that the lifestyle elements of there's this foundational genetic code, but our environment, our diet, our food, our water plays the role of whether something is up or down regulated. So that light switch could stay dormant and, and not turn on, or it could be flickering ongoing based on the lifestyle decisions that we, that we make. Yeah, for sure. And you know, there, there's a number of genes and, and some we can absolutely control and some we can't. I mean, our, our hair color we're born with. Uh, unless we change it artificially, which many of us like to do. It's fun. Uh, I don't. Um, and then we, we can not change our skin color. You know, we're born with a certain skin color and that's set. And unless we have an autoimmune disease and we're, we're getting our melanocytes attacked. So there are certain genes that we cannot control at all. And if we have celiac disease or, you know, uh, some other genetic condition like hemochromatosis, we can't really alter the, how those genes are expressed. They're, they're stuck and that's it. The way that you can keep them happy though is not eating too much iron or not eating gluten, right? But the sure. genes I like to focus on are the genes that you know, affect our neurotransmitters, or our, our moods, our detoxification, our hormones. So that's, that's what I like to focus on. Sure. So let's back up and just define for listeners what a dirty gene is, what you mean by this concept. And I guess how our genes get dirty in the first place? Yeah, great question. So a dirty gene is a term that came up uh, from my writer. I mean, my, my ghost writer, Rachel, and we were having a discussion and it centered around the name of the book. And everyone wanted me to call the book Seven Deadly Genes. Uh, <laughs> I was just fighting tooth and nail. I said, no, 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 we're not doing that. And so out of that conversation of me discussing with with Rachel and my agent became dirty genes and and how that happened was I was explaining that hey look these genes are programmed to do certain things but we are providing the input and so if we provide them great input you know great food and great environment and great mindset they'll be able to work in a clean environment and get their stuff done and imagine if we're providing these genes with lack of nutrients because they need nutrients to work. If we give them, you know, crowd them full of pollution and chemicals there and they have to deal with all that. And if they, you know, if we bombard them with, uh, inflammatory oils or toxic thoughts, then they're going to be doing other things too. So basically it's a gene that is not expressing optimally. In short, a dirty gene is a gene that is not being expressed to its best performance. 
And I equate it to simply is if you have a garage and you want to park your car in your garage, it could be pristine and totally organized, which mine is not. <laughs> and you can find everything and you can even park your car in there. And you could have the slight other extreme where you can't find anything, but you can still park your car in there. And then you can have the full extreme of you have a garage, but it's so packed, you can't even put your car in there. So it's the it's degree in which your genes are dirty affects the degree in which your symptoms become more and more, I would say, intensified. So you can say maybe you start out with slightly blurry vision one day and you know just not quite a clear head. And the next day you keep having bad decisions that aren't supporting your body, maybe not sleeping, working too hard, being stressed out, then you have a headache. And then you have a headache, but you have to keep grinding and you're, you're still you know, you're more stressed, you're eating not very well, and then you get a migraine, right? So it's just progressive dirt. And if you change it, then these genes can get cleaned up. And often what's interesting is the lifestyle drivers, like you've mentioned stress or conscious thought patterns. So, so whether they're, you know, negative self-talk could, could be perceived as stress per se. Uh, what's interesting is that that can sometimes drive continued dysfunction for something that you're already predisposed to. I guess yes. what, I, what I'm meaning is like an MTHFR individual that's under high chronic stress, they're already lacking some of that organic build, if you will, for some of their favorable neurotransmitters, and then they're continuing to burn the, the midnight oil, if you will. Uh, do you see that chicken and egg relationship in, in all of these SNPs? Yeah. So thanks for bringing that in. And because there's, we are who we are because of how our genes are. I mean, we, we've inherited them from our mother and our father, and we have ge genetic tendencies to things. And so think about your personality for a moment. And think of how perhaps you know that you're slightly different than someone else or very different than someone else. I'm very type A, I'm very driven, or I've always been a night owl, or I've always been inattentive, but you know, I'm that class clown, or why am I so dang sensitive to everything, chemicals, smells, toxins, ever since I was little. So we were born with these genetic predispositions and they do benefit us. And there are benefits to these things, but... At the same time, if we make lifestyle decisions to genes that already are susceptible to creating symptoms for us, then they're, the slightest bit of dirt that we give them, they're going to start screaming and yelling, and the, those, those symptoms can be quite significant. For example, say women get PMS, right? You know, so this, is, this can be a, a very uncomfortable uh, situation for everyone involved, you know, the woman too. And so, you know, the cycle's coming and she knows it and she goes, God, you know, I don't want to be all irritable and cranky and bloated and, you know, breast pain and can't sleep at night. And this, this happens like clockwork and it's been doing this to me forever. And there's a gene which increases susceptibility to this. And that's, that's has to do with estrogen metabolism and the gene is called COMT. So yeah, there's many genes that increase susceptibility and make us a little bit more fragile and have to take more caution. And that's the whole premise of dirty genes. Yeah. I talk about the basics of lifestyle and diet and mindset and environment. That's true. That's key. That's the first, you know, section of the cleanup of, in the book. But, you know, I also teach you how these genes work and then you take a quiz to see if they're dirty or not functioning very well. And then I give you specific 
pinpoints of how you can clean them up because you're absolutely right. We are susceptible to various things and we're all uniquely susceptible to different things. So the steps for cleaning up the genes, I guess it's specific to which genes are dirty in the first place in your program. Is that right? Yeah. So that's brilliant too. And so, but you can't, there's no specific steps really for genetic cleaning, if you will, until later. So if you are trying to get your car parked in your garage, you can't just you know, open the garage door and force it in there, right? I mean, you can, but it won't really work. So you have to do the fundamentals. You, you got to take out the trash. You got to stop putting stuff in there. You got to, you know, you, you got to go to Goodwill. So you got to get the basic stuff done. And then you can start tweaking things and you can start labeling certain bins and creating certain organizations. So, but the, the step one is the basics. You know, you got to fix your sleep. And there are genes which affect your sleep. But if you're not doing the fundamentals, what I call the soak and scrub section of the book, then you can try to target the genes that are supportive for your sleep. And you might get lucky. You might get lucky and you might be able to start supporting your sleep better. But I will tell you that the vast majority, I would say 70%, maybe upwards of 80, depending how uh, strongly ill these individuals are, then they won't get the benefit and they'll say, oh, this book doesn't work because I, you know, I did what he told me to do to clean up this chain for sleep and it didn't work. But you spot clean. You didn't, you didn't take out all the trash. Okay. Well, and I, I love how in the book you process within the idea of when you need to take it to the next level and consider supplementation. Uh, for instance, you, you spoke to Sam E and, and we talk about that a lot. I, I want to get, we're going to go down the rabbit hole of methylation in a moment because that was a lot of the questions I got from uh, people in my other uh, functional medicine groups of, oh, you're having Dr. Lynch on, you have to ask this, this, and this. But to go back into the spot cleaning with um, something, for instance, Sam E, you know, you spoke in your book about how you can use a supplement in the concept of insomnia, right? To kind of determine as a litmus before you do all this advanced testing you could also use a supplement to use as a litmus of where your body's falling you know you mentioned if, if that helps with insomnia maybe that's helping because you had some comt issues if it's hindering then maybe you need more methyl drivers for sammy to work on can, can you kind of mm -hmm. go into a little bit deeper of that yeah great example so yeah basically what uh you know how it works is if if one takes sammy and they can fall asleep at night, that's demonstrating that this individual could have possibly more dopamine, more histamine, more norepinephrine, and a slower conversion of serotonin and melatonin if they're having difficulty falling asleep. And they take SAMe, SAMe helps process all of that. And then it lowers them, all of them, and since they're, these neurotransmitters are lower in your brain, then you have more calming neurotransmitters up there so you can actually fall asleep sure and if you take sammy and it actually makes you more awake and possibly more irritable and more anxious that's showing you that your methylation cycle is jammed it's dirty there's something blocking it and that can be many many things it could be heavy metals it could be uh, high levels of pro-oxidants you know, you have low levels of antioxidants. Sure. Uh, you know, it could be yeast overgrowth, it could be bacterial infections and so on. And so that's, it's a very simple test to see how 
clean your methylation cycle is. Because if you order a test, an expensive test that is, say for 300 bucks and you pay the doctor 300 bucks to order it for you because you have to go to have a visit. So now you have 600 in the hole and you want to say, doc, how good is my methylation? Possibly all you could do is just pop a capsule of Sammy. This is very rudimentary and see how you respond. Are you more fatigued or are you more alert? And, um, you know, I would say if you're more relaxed, it's more uh, of a sign that your methylation cycle is working better. That's interesting. I like that. And that's actually how you, how I learned about you. I think it was 2012 and I found the mthfr.net site. Uh, I was trying to understand why some of my patients in clinic were having more anxiety and panic with, you know, three to five, a, a lot of the pharmaceutical grade supplement lines were doing these higher dose five methylfolate. Um, mm. And so it was, we would do that simple blood snip. We would know they were the C copy. We'd put them on a three to five milligram, pretty hefty dosage of five methylfolate. And, you know, there was a lot of decline. So I, I wasn't hearing in my educational background about this methyl trap or over, over methylation and Still to date, a lot of physicians talk about it's, it's, it's water soluble. Nothing can happen. Can you speak to that a little bit and <laughs> the, the confusion that lies within that? I know that's a whole world of itself. <laughs> but Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I, I, I greatly appreciate you brought that up because, you know, a lot of us, when we're new to something, we, we will tend to react instead of respond. And I did. And so when I first learned about MTHFR from reading the literature, because I too didn't learn about this in school. I, I mean, we didn't have genetic testing at the time, really, uh, to even study. So, you know, and, and uh, it happened that somebody asked me about bipolar disease one day, and I, I was just rattling off the fish oil and the vitamin D and reducing histamines and yada, yada. And I was kind of bored with my answers. I said, you know, I'm going to go check the, the research on, on bipolar and see what's up and what's new. Because I knew there was something to do with folate. And that's when I found this MTHFR thing in the literature and I started reading about it more. I was like, wow. So when I had uh, clients with MTHFR, I put them on uh, methylfolate too, not mega doses like five milligrams, but I put them on a milligram or 800 micrograms and some would get better, some would get worse. And so what's happening here is you order a genetic test and it shows you that you are not typical, right? You're, you're different than the standard population. So you might have a variant there or a SNP. And so we react and say, okay, we're different. So we need to take something to fix this difference. And we take methylfolate. And some of us take a lot because a lot we think is better. And so you take it and you might get lucky for a day or two and feel great. Or you might get unlucky and feel horrible right away. Sure. And so what happens is these genes are static. You order genetic tests and it's just, it's just static. But it doesn't has nothing to do with how you are acting in your own personal environment, your own world. Are you eating a bunch of leafy greens anyway? Are you not taking folic acid supplementation? Are you pretty relaxed? Do you go on vacation? Are you retired? Or are you stressed out, chomping down a bunch of folic acid, uh, super ill, and just not doing well? So it, it, it all depends on the individual, not what the genetic test shows. So that's the, the biggest thing that I like to, to explain. So you know, a genetic test is not you. It's just showing you what hardware you have. Sure. So if, you know, we all are using computers and all of our computers have different stuff on them. So, I mean, we could all have MacBook Airs, every <laughs> single one on the planet, but everyone would still be different. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I, I know when Deplin hit the market, I was super excited, be that it was methylfolate. And the 15 milligram dosage, I've seen so many clients have more imbalance than balance at times often. You know, it, when used in different pharmaceutical drugs can be beneficial. But uh, I think it's interesting, like you said, it's not just having the gene or that foundational script. It's what's read from the script, <laughs> what's spoken loudly and, and the demands within the individual. Yeah, you know, and I, I fell in into the, the trap of just trying to supplement the SNP or supplement mm -hmm. the gene. And I thought that, you know, if I saw MTGFR, I should give methylfolate. I thought that if I saw the DAO histamine problem gene, I should give this and that. And and so I tried all that and I tried it for years and it was it was like a crapshoot. And sure. it, it you know, I was throwing darts blindly and and uh, I learned the hard way. And I don't want people learning the hard way. I want them being smooth and efficient and being empowered by their genetics, which is why I started figuring this out the, the right way, which is the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you recommend a listener go about figuring out, is it worth it to them you know, to go into their SNPs or, or what are kind of first steps? I know you have your strategy website. Um, that they can plug their 23andMe into, but how would you even go about starting this whole process? Evaluating where you are right now. So if, if you've done, and you've done very well, a lot of the fundamental stuff, you've been working on your sleep, you've really cleaned up your diet, you know, you've, you're doing all the basics, you know, you, you know you're breathing properly, you, you're going to bed on time, and you know, you're, you're reducing your stressors. I mean, you're not perfect, you know, no one's perfect. I'm far from perfect, but you, you know, you're really trying to make a dedicated concerted effort and, you know, you've looked at gut infections and so on and you're trying to get that and you're still not where you want to be or you've had a symptom your entire life and it's, it's trending, been trending throughout your family and you're curious and you want more information. Genetics is where you want to go. Genetics is, is a fantastic tool. And if it's used properly, uh, if it's not used properly, then it's all you do is go down rabbit holes and get right. super frustrated and spend a lot of money. Um, and you just, you get really, you get really mad. And I, I've gotten plenty frustrated and I even have an article on drbenlynch.com. It says frustrated with genetics, question mark, <laughs> me too. And, uh, you know, I, I go into it, I rant and I, I go off sometimes and I, I, I did. And, uh, because everybody's trying to treat their genetic problem. So if you think that you can run a genetic test and it will tell you why you are sick, you're wrong. Right. You're wrong. I mean, unless you have celiac disease or hemochromatosis or some, you know, cystic fibrosis, some major genetically associated condition, yeah, that you will find something there. But if you have rheumatoid arthritis or a thyroid condition or fibromyalgia or, you know, inflammatory bowel disease, you're not going to find nothing in turn that's going to give you concrete evidence. So don't think that you're going to find the magic bullet and you're going to find this one gene and you have to take one supplement for it. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And the flip side is if you are nervous about running your genetics and looking at truly how you are built and it scares you, don't do it. Sure. Don't do it because you will discover you at such a level that <laughs> some are comfortable with it and some aren't. And I will tell you, you know, point blank that when I first looked at my genes and I found that I had significant MTGFR and my, 
my youngest son at APOE44, and he has a 90% risk of being uh, having Alzheimer's by the time he's 65 years old. I freaked out at first. And I totally freaked out. And then I, years later, I said, you know what? This is actually really important information sure. to know. And I think that's, that's the whole idea of the book and, and really your mission for the past you know, 10 plus years now, I guess, is, is, is empowerment with information. And I think, as you mentioned, if we, if we compartmentalize SNPs and we just treat a SNP with a single solution, we're not speaking to the symphony of the body. And even though people may both be MTHFR, no one is going to have the same synergy of the variants within their genetic SNPs, nor are they going to have the same epigenetic experience of life. And so it's really looking at what's being expressed in the body versus that underlying code, and then working with the synergy of, of symptom management and actual solutions versus just treating a SNP with a one plus two equals three type approach. I love that. I love your statement. I even wrote it down. The symphony <laughs> of the body. <laughs> Symphony of body. It's, it's brilliant because I'll put it yeah, I mean, you. <laughs> yeah. if you, if you think about, you know, an orchestra, right. And the, let's say that the, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a musician, so I'm going to totally screw this up, but you know, you just imagine there's an orchestra going and it's a gorgeous symphony and someone's flute goes off, right. It's going to wreck the whole thing. It's not like just the flute made a mistake or what didn't sound right. It affected the entire orchestra, right? They all got a little bit off from that probably. And so, and it affected how we all heard it. So it's not just one gene is affecting one thing. It affects the entire system as a whole and it affects those who are around you as well those who are listening and watching and observing you or who's around you. I mean, if you're around someone stressed out, you're like, whoa, what is up with you? I just feel that intenseness grating off of you right now, right? I mean, sure. we're affected by them and they're affected by us. So yeah, we, we, we're so, we so want the A plus B equals C and we are so taught this by the stupid television and the radio ads and the, t and the magazines when you open a magazine nowadays and you go two pages and you have a three page spread of a pharmaceutical uh, drug, mm -hmm. how if you have a headache, this drug is for you. Mm -hmm. And then you have a whole page of side effects and everything else. And that's the solution, right? And it's, so we're taught by big pharma and with propaganda that if we have a singular problem, we can fix it with a singular thing. And that's consumerism talking. Sure. That has nothing to do with reality. And so it's a hard thing to swallow because it means that we have to work harder and understand more and take more responsibility for our actions. And if you don't want that, well, maybe you appreciate Big Pharma and the meds that they provide, which is fine. Sure. But if you want a full solution, then you have to put the work in. Absolutely. And let's go a little bit into, so, so we've, we've clearly noted that there's more SNPs out there beyond the dun-dun-dun MTHFR. Um, and so your book, Dirty Genes, talks about seven of them as, as the highlighted ones, not the seven deadly, seven deadly genes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so can we touch on, um, we, we, we kind of 
gave a little over hit of, of COMT. Can we go a little deeper into two other genes, just a little bit of a characteristics of and, and hits um, for our listeners uh, on COMT and, and also GST? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are called the super seven and I, I love that. And uh, because if any one of these genes are dirty, you're going to have significant symptoms. That's why I picked them. And there's these have to do with multiple conditions that we are all susceptible to on a daily basis. And the cool thing is, is we can reverse all of them and prevent all of them. And so they, I mean, I don't know how many conditions I have that you can address in this book. If people invite me to uh, go speak at a conference, I say, what topic? what disease, what condition, I can apply it to anything. Sure. And that's what's so cool about the Super 7 is they are, they are playing such huge roles. So with COMT, let's, let's hit that. So with COMT, there's, there's basically two types of COMT. There's one that can be working slowly. So the gene isn't, it's kind of lazy, if you will. And it's, it doesn't work very hard. And it, the COMT's job is to process estrogen, dopamine, norepinephrine and epinephrine. And if it doesn't process them very well, then they're more susceptible to being elevated and higher than someone who doesn't have a slower CMT. doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that's how you're born. And so the, the benefits to that are that you're more focused, you're more driven, you get stuff done. Um, you're you're kind of type A. Um, might, might, people might label that uh, for you, and it's kind of true for me. Um, and the, the negative side there is that you're so type A that you will drive yourself into the ground. You will work longer than you should. You won't take the vacations that you need because, oh, I've got to get this done before I go. And then you get it done and something else comes across your desk and you got to get that done too. And you you get stressed out and it takes you a lot longer to calm down. You don't fall asleep very well. You stare at the ceiling. Uh, you know, the cycle comes along and you have horrible PMS, uh, you have estrogen sensitive cancers in your, in your family and possibly yourself, breast, ovarian, uterine, um, and so on. And you, you're like, gosh, you know, what's up with that and cardiovascular disease and so on. So there's benefits to risk to a slower COMT. And the good thing is, is you can modify that. And I got to tell you how in, in the book, Dirty Genes. Now you could have a faster COMT and the faster COMT, you think, oh, that's great. You know, cause I don't want to have all that out of balance. I want my estrogen levels out of there. Um, and a, another benefit actually of a slower CMT is, is beautiful skin because you have higher estrogen, estrogen levels yeah. possibly. And so you, people comment on your glowing skin and it's like, wow, you look radiant. And so that, I mean, who doesn't want that? Sure. Um, so, you know, with a faster COMT, it gets rid of your dopamine, your norepinephrine, your epinephrine and your estrogen levels quicker. So now you, you think, okay, well, yeah, you're a more relaxed individual. Uh, you're kind of a thrill seeker because when you are doing thrilling things, you, you feel better, you're more attentive and you're focused. You might be the person who can work in the emergency room or a high stress job and really perform and kick butt. Um, whereas those with a slow COMT might not do very well. They, it's like, man, I, I couldn't do open heart surgery. I'd freak out. Um, so, you know, those are, those are assets. Um, but at the flip side, the negatives would be, you know, you, you might tend towards depression. You might tend towards uh, addiction. So, because your dopamine levels are a bit lower, so you seek out things that spike your dopamine, such as overeating, 
um, and overtraining, exercising too hard, sure. uh, which is kind of weird. Or you might seek out sex or drugs or smoking or alcohol. So those are uh, some of the big ones for COMT. Okay. And then within your book, I saw within the recipe section, you know, you'll note how many of the recipes are, can, can hit multiple of these. And then you'll even modify, like I saw in a, I think it was a miso chicken soup. It was a soup with miso. And you mentioned, you know, if DAO, then you might hold the miso based on the histamine response. And so, but it sounds like a lot of the foundational recipes hit four or five. Is that correct? Yes. Genes in each distribution? Yeah, because basically, if you're eating a really uh, healthy meal, you know, of whole foods, and it's it's not just one ingredient sitting on your plate, um, you're going to be hitting a lot of genes and supporting a lot of genes. That's what's really cool. So, but the problem is, at the same time, some of these foods, which might be perfect for the person sitting next to you, might not be so perfect for you. Right. It could be a perfect dish. I mean, totally healthy. But for you, it's not right. So how do you do that? I mean, how do you modify a recipe in a book that's static and for everyone? And basically what I do is I, I teach you first of what these genes do, because if you don't understand how genes work and each one is specifically, then you don't understand and you don't know how to fix anything. You don't know how, know how things work, right? right? So first you learn how things work and then you take a quiz and you take these quizzes which show if these particular genes are dirty or not. And if these genes are dirty, then I tell you these are the things that you should be watching out for. And it clearly tells you, as you say, right there on the recipes. If you have a dirty DAO or a slow COMT, modify it this way. And if you're a slow COMT, modify your meals this way. If you're a fast COMT, do that. And you know, I, I nail all the certain genes for every recipe that, you know, support it for all these, but, you know, modify it this way for, for these couples. So you know how to adapt your diet. And the cool thing is it's after a while, you're going to learn how to modify your eating until those genes get cleaned up. And once your genes get cleaned up, then you're, you're back to almost an open smorgasbord of, of food again. Sure. That's the cool thing. Your, your, your menu greatly increases. If you, if you fix a few of these genes, uh, especially the DAO gene, which I was struggling with for many, many years, many years, including uh, three of my boys, or two of my boys and my wife. My wife is still working on hers. Um, but two of my boys and myself cleaned up our deep, dirty DAO. We're eating foods that we can't even imagine that we could have been eating before. And, uh, you know, I will say, including gluten. And uh, that that uh, is remarkable. I still don't eat gluten that much and I will still react to it if I'm stressed out or not sleeping very well. But if I go on vacation, even in the United States, um, you know, I will eat some gluten and uh, I don't react anymore. So it's pretty amazing. I used to horribly react to it. The, the resilience. And I, I love that the quiz, you know, like we kind of mentioned earlier, it's not just giving you if your gene is dirty on paper, it's also if you're symptomatic, if you're expressing that dirty gene. And so I think that's the more important way to yes. weight your focus of, of how you're treating and working with on your, your own body is 
the influence that it has on you. And that, that's what's really nice, more of an upstream approach versus downstream. This is the information, treat it. It's a, this is the information and this is how the information trickles through my body <laughs> and now let's treat it. Uh, yeah, really that's a very, very important point. And so, you know, for example, you can say that uh, maybe you ran your strategy and genetic report, right? And you got your test results back and you, you're a slow COMT according to strategy. You know, your genetics show you that you have a slower COMT and you take the quiz and you find out you're a fast COMT and you think, well, how's that possible? I just, I looked at my genetics and the report says I'm a plus plus in COMT and I should be rage monster. I should be not sleeping. I should be type A and driven, but I'm not. Well, it's because you are, your lifestyle is totally different. Maybe you're not eating much protein. Maybe you're just, you know, supporting your body very, very well. And it's not a problem for you. But I guarantee you, there's a lot of individuals who have a slow CMT that are not living the way that they should be. And they are struggling. And it will, what it does is it, it amplifies and the good thing too about Dirty Jeans is, is my publisher said, look, Ben, we do not want you writing a book that requires people to buy a, a, a genetic test. We don't want that. So you need to figure out how people can read this book without ordering a genetic test. I was like, easy, fine. I'll just ask them questions. Okay. And they just kind of looked at me like, really? And I said, yeah, that's cool. I love that. And it, I think it makes it so much more relevant to the individual and not just a bunch of colors on a piece of paper. I know when I got my report back, I, I didn't even know what to do with it. Mm. Um, we're, we're more in depth with this, but I want to circle back on um, the food piece of this. And I know you have um, your four week clean gene protocol. And I just want to talk about um, some of the principles here that I think apply you know, to everyone. Um, so you have things like fasting, which we're again, big fans of intermittent fasting, fasting for 12 to 16 hours a day, um, eating until 80% full, learning to distinguish our cravings from true hunger. Um, and a lot of these are kind of, again, back to that baseline of foundational. And then we kind of build based on what's expressing or what our genes actually look like. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very important, and food is <laughs> food is so important. And if if you're not eating right, or you're eating so perfectly that it's stressing you out, um, you know, or you're you're doing the oxalate free diet and the histamine free diet and the whatever free diet, and your 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 palate is is struggling because you you're eating basically lettuce, um, you know. So it's these foundational pieces are exquisitely important. And, you know, let me back up for one second is, is you said the, the four week soak and scrub and, uh, you know, basically what, what, uh, Becky was referring to here is, is an, a section in the book is called the soak and scrub, which is where you, before you even, uh, really start targeting specific genes, you just kind of clean up everything, right? Like we talked about with the garage earlier, and in the book, you know, I was told by my publisher to say, hey, you need to design a 30-day program or a 28-day program or a 14-day program. And I said, well, it's not a, this is not a 28-day program. This is, a, this is a lifestyle. This is your life. This, is a, this book is a guide. It's not a program. It's a guide to living for the rest of your life. So the Silk and Scrub 
yeah, it says four weeks, but I also clearly state, you know, if you, if basically you take a quiz, show how dirty your genes are, and then you clean up with the fundamentals and, you know, of healthy eating, healthy sleeping and so on as, as best as your abilities. And you retake the quiz. If you find that your genes are still just absolutely dirty, you don't go to spot cleaning. You go, you stay on that section of where you're, you know, maybe your fundamentals still aren't quite right. Maybe you're, you're still not sleeping very well. Maybe you're not still, um, moving enough. You know, there's, there's things that you need to do. So in terms of, of how important food is, uh, it's critically important that, uh, you dial that in. Yeah. The, the foundation for sure of, of then how you can advance and accelerate the function of the body needs to have a strong, a strong foundation. And I love the emphasis of acknowledging that parasympathetic, sympathetic, you know, rest and digest fight or flight mode and how we speak to that all the time to our listeners when the HPA axis is overdriven or overregulated, we're digesting food, like you said, with the gluten during travel <laughs> in a completely different way than when the body is in that optimized digestive mode. So that's a huge piece as well. Mm-hmm. Big time, big time. And, you know, we, we're always dirtying our genes. You know, they're, they're never perfectly clean, ever. And the key is basically to live a life of, of moderation. And if you're, if you're living a life that's you know, where you're say 80% clean or 70% clean, then the 30 or 20 to 30% of times that you stay up late or party hard or eat something that you, you know, guiltingly shouldn't have, um, (laughs) you know, or drink too much, you'll recover quickly and it's fine. You know, but if, if you're, if those ratios are flipped and you're living dirty 70% of the time, you're just going to get sicker and sicker. You're not going to recover. So let's talk about with living dirty on the other gene I mentioned, uh, the GST and GPX. My Stella, I'll, I'll put in a selfish call to action. <laughs> My 19-month-old uh, is homozygous GST1, and she's also uh, homozygous C copy of MTHFR. Um, so you know we were able to use that information, and and she was an emergency C-section. So all of the dun dun dun, you know, and um, so the biome, all of the things, of course, breastfed. We actually did vaginal seeding and inoculation with her with the C-section as best we could um, and laid up as many boundaries. But, um, and we are holding vaccination because of that reason of both being GST and um, MTHFR. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit. And I think that's kind of the perfect storm. I'm like, you know, there you go. Like you said, as being a practitioner and then you watch it unfurl in your household. <laughs> yeah. Ah, so we're both missing the excretion pathways and the detox process. We are not letting a vaccine touch you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about GST and detox and the influence on the body. Um, and the, the, it's interesting as far as you, you noted some strengths associated with that. I've always only associated that as a negative. Yeah, you know, GST, so what Ali is, is referring to is, is the glutathione transferase gene. And what this gene does is it transfers glutathione to bad stuff and gets them out. So it transfers glutathione to arsenic. It'll transfer glutathione to mercury. Um, it'll transfer it to, you know, other things and, and get them out. So, and so basically it helps bind glutathione to various chemicals in the body so you can pee them out, which is very, very important because if you're not binding glutathione to these heavy metals or these other chemicals that we're so all exposed to, 
then they're going to accumulate. And uh, that's, that's obviously a problem. So in terms of the benefit to having a GST uh, that's not typical to the standard population, the, the research on this gene is, is, is conflicting. You know, there's, it depends on the, the type of chemical. So sometimes when you bind glutathione to a chemical, it could actually make it worse and more toxic. And there's other times where you bind glutathione to another chemical and makes it less toxic. So there's, there's pros and cons here. And so it, it depends on what chemical you're talking about. And we outlined those differences a bit in the, the strategy and report uh, that, that we have here. And that's, that's an important distinction. So, and the other, the other thing that you should understand with, with GST is, is uh, when you have chemotherapy, you know, if you have chemo, if you have chemotherapy because of cancer, uh, it's better to have uh, glutathione uh, that's not typical to the individual because you respond better to the chemo, but you are also more susceptible to cancer right. in the first place. So that's, you know, you want to prevent cancer more than treat it. So, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of your, your daughter or anyone else who has the, the homozygous variants or uh, GST uh, plus plus, the, the best thing you do here is avoid. Uh, you know, and, and you're, you're doing that, which is brilliant. You know, I, I interviewed Dr. Paul Thomas a number of times and including at the dirty Jane summit. Um, but, uh, we're also doing a, a huge registry, um, of thousands of kids to see how healthy kids are after full vaccination or partial vaccination or none at all. Right. Um, and we will get the data back, but in short, the best thing you can do for, if you see that you have a GST plus plus as you know you're sensitive to the chemicals, you know you have a weak link, as Dr. Tom O'Brien says, in your ability to get rid of chemicals. So the best thing you do is limit them. And you've done that wisely because aluminum and mercury uh, and a bunch of other garbage is found in a bunch right. of vaccines. And uh, you know little bodies can't deal with that. And the next best thing you can do is sauna. Uh, sauna and sweating is fantastic. And you can even do that with little kids and little babies, mm -hmm. uh, as long as, you know, you're sitting there watching because little kids and, and babies don't sweat very well. Um, you know, they don't have their sympathetic nervous system fully developed like we do. Um, lucky guys and girls. <laughs> um, but, uh, that means they're going to pee at night and pee uncontrollably, but it also means they're not going to sweat. So if you have them in, in the sauna, you know, keep a wet towel on their head and keep them maybe, you know, on, on the floor. Um, but sweating is super important. And, uh, you know, you, you did great things for, for your little one there. Awesome. And then let's talk a little bit about supplements um, and kind of how all of this plays in both to the couple of SNPs that we've talked about and just in general. So I know, you know, when I first started practicing, I might see someone not tolerate I don't know, something seemingly, um, seemingly innocuous, like a probiotic or magnesium or something and see someone not tolerate it well and just kind of write it off as, oh, you're an anomaly. That's weird. Let's just pull it out and try something else or try different five different forms of probiotics before we find the right one that your body will tolerate. Uh, but I think there's so much to be said about complementary nutrients and even the forms that we're giving these nutrients in, you know, transdermal, oral, liposomal. Um, so why does all of that matter? And how do we even start to look at supplements? 
Oh, that's a, that's a loaded <laughs> know, <right>? question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, like, uh, yeah, yeah, let's not do the probiotic world because that's the whole histamine. And I think sure. let's keep it more, maybe, maybe, and, and let's maybe answer with the world of glutathione. How about first Dr. Lynch, just cause that's kind of where we left off with GST as a specific nutrient. And then we can talk general and supplement. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a fantastic, <laughs> it is a fantastic question. It's a, it's a needed one. And, uh, so thanks for asking. And basically we, we first have to define what a supplement is. And a supplement is designed to add or enhance our biochemistry. You know, that's, that's what it's for. Our, our genes and our enzymes use nutrients. And I mean, it's, it's a shocking thought that the genes produce enzymes and the enzymes need vitamins and minerals in order to work. Uh, you know, these are called cofactors, <laughs> but we utilize various medications instead of providing the enzymes what they need. So it's, 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 Anyway, I, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Um, so, but again, if if you have uh, a gene, say the GST variant of plus plus, and you know that okay, I need to be more careful, and you need to avoid chemicals and heavy metals is the best that you can without being a nervous wreck about it, because um, that's not helpful. Um, then you do that. If you know you need to sauna more frequently and sweat more frequently, you're doing that too. Then that's when you bring in a, a nutrient such as liposomal glutathione and it can really make a huge difference for you. And the type of glutathione that you bring on board is very, very important. If you're looking for the cheapest form of glutathione that's on the market, you're, you're, you're swallowing money, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, you're, you're doing no benefit. There's no benefit there at all. And with glutathione, there's many different types. And you, the important thing to understand here, generally, broad, broad, broadly speaking, is the better the form of the nutrient, the more recognized the body will uh, see it and adapt to it and respond to it. Because enzymes have shapes, and they, they're like little puzzle pieces. And if you've ever built a puzzle and you think this piece connects with that piece and you try to stick it there and you swear it's the right piece but doesn't fit so you hit it and it doesn't quite still fit and the puzzle's crooked well that's the same thing if you take the wrong form of glutathione or the wrong form of folate it doesn't quite fit right and you can't fix the puzzle because enzymes have shapes they want the nice thing to fit right in that slot so liposomal glutathione is the best form of glutathione that you can get that's available. You can also take reduced glutathione, but that's the cheap version and it's not going to really do anything. It's just going to get degraded by your stomach acid and be stupid. Uh, so it's, it's buying reduced glutathione in a capsule uh, or even a liquid, uh, waste of money. Um, then there's S-acetylglutathione, which the acetyl group is supposed to be uh, protecting the glutathione from the stomach acid. And there's some research on it um, but the research is mainly done by the manufacturers, so it makes you a little bit question the efficacy of it. Uh, I've never used it personally because I'm such a huge fan of liposomal glutathione. That's sure. what I stick to. Um, and um, the liposomes uh, help deliver the glutathione directly uh, into the cell where the nutrient does its job. And a lot of us think that if we swallow a vitamin or a mineral, that we're done and it's going to go where it needs to go. But first, has to get through your stomach acid. 
and then it has to be absorbed by your small intestine or your large intestine, but typically your small intestine or your liver. And then it has to get into your blood or, and then it has to be carried by enzymes and then it has to be delivered to a receptor on a cell. Usually then it has to be pulled into the cell and then docked to and get the job done. So there's many, many, many steps. And so the better the form of a nutrient, the more likely of a beneficial outcome you'll have. Direct delivery per se. Yes. And, yes. and uh, that's where I think now also the liposomal glutathione, well, for Stella's case, we do a uh, transdermal and we rub it over her liver mm. uh, a couple times a week. And that seems to be, I mean, we, we still do time will tell, but that's our, our focus there. And I think with your mention, Dr. Lynch on the cofactors as well, it's, it's sometimes because of the absorbability um, of not knowing if things, for instance, cross blood brain barrier of certain nutrients or are delivered to the targeted tissue, that's where then with supplementation, you would go to a precursor and a cofactor, um, like using B6 with NAC with liposomal glutathione or something like that to ensure delivery based on the individual. Is that, would that be Yeah, yeah, great point. So let's talk iron for a second. Yeah. So iron is, is difficult. Uh, to absorb and uh, you need stomach acid, you need copper, you need vitamin A um, and uh, a few other things, which I can't recall. And because the iron first has to be absorbed. And if, you, if you're taking an antacid or, or you're stressed out, then you're not going to be absorbing the iron, especially if it's in a tablet. If you're taking it, if you're taking any tablet uh, supplements, if they're not timed release or sustained release or chewable, they're garbage. Uh, mm -hmm most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. Um, and because you want, you, you, we have teeth for a reason to chew and break things up. I mean, it's very hard for a stomach acid to, to get around a tablet and get the job done. Sure. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's very important to have uh, a team of nutrients to help deliver things. And that one of the first supplements I ever designed actually was, was optimal iron plus cofactors. And that's answers your question beautifully because it's, I could have just done Iron, which, you know, iron bisclesinate is a very tolerable form of iron, but my wife could not tolerate it. So I, I tried all these different supplements uh, for her uh, available and uh, all the popular ones, all the famous ones, and she still did terribly. So I did the research on iron metabolism. It's like, well, her stomach acid is probably low or vitamin A is low and her genetics for vitamin A production are awful um, and dirty and uh, her copper was low. Um, so I, and you need copper to transport iron. So I did all these things and I, I formulated it and she took it and it was, you know, I was testing it and she took it and she had no stomach pain Awesome. and her iron levels went up. I was like, <laughs> Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole symphony, just like on the other end of the spectrum for sure. Yeah. There awesome. was a symphony again. Awesome. Awesome. So let's real quick, um, before we let you go, because just launched today, well, this will come out, this episode will come out in a couple weeks, but I think you'll still have it rocking the, the gene dirty gene summit. Um, can you give our listeners a little bit of information on that? Wow. Yeah. The, the dirty gene summit was, uh, well, it is, it's, it's like a, it's like the biggest production I've ever done. And there's nearly 50 experts in this summit and it's, it's an audio only. So you're not stuck to a screen or sitting down. You can log in and tap into your phone with a headset or your workplace and sneak it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's, it's 50 interviews and we really go over the fundamentals. So dirty jeans, you know, the silk and scrub section, dirty jeans is, you know, 
tells you to, you know, or it doesn't tell you, that's, that's uh, patronizing. Uh, yeah. it, it informs you of, you know, many, many things that you can do to enhance your life. And the Dirty Gene Summit really amplifies them and goes into much, much greater detail on the fundamentals. So you can really get those dialed in. For example, I uh, brought in two sleep experts and I brought in a breathing expert because I talk about how important of breathing and don't mouth breathe. But that was kind of it. I mean, how much can you sure. say in, in the book? Um, and I, I couldn't write it all out. So basically, the Dirty Jeans Summit is an amazing extension of the book itself. And it's, it enhances the silk and scrub for you. And, you know, we have mindset, we have digestion, we have leaky gut, we have histamine intolerance, we have cancer, Parkinson's, um, you know, depression, ADHD, autism, vaccines. I mean, you name it, we probably got it. And uh, it just gives you additional tools um, to, to amplify the usefulness of dirty genes. Very cool. So you can tune in on the elements that speak most to the user or the, the reader and really highlight and, and emphasize next level approach of that foundational element. Correct. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to listen to that while I'm meal prepping later. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife even, uh, she had it going on her phone walking around the house today and then well, she got in her car and plugged yeah. it in. Yeah. Spouses, spouses are the biggest win because I can't tell you how many times <laughs> my husband says something that I'm like, are you serious? I've been talking about this for 10 years. <laughs> like, yeah, did you hear about this? I'm like, oh my gosh, we're done. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. They're their biggest critic, right? Totally. So totally. She, she heard my interview this morning. She goes, I really liked your interview. I was like, wow. It's wow. <laughs> <laughs> going on the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So lo- last question before we let you go, we always ask this of our guests um, because we're dietitians, we would like to get your 24 hour recall. So Dr. <laughs> Lynch, what did you eat yesterday? Sunday. From the time that you, yeah. Sunday from the time that you woke up to the time that you went to bed. Okay, so it is uh, Monday at 10 o'clock now. Come on, give me 12 hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's 10 a.m. now. All I've had this morning so far is uh, a glass of water and electrolytes. And I probably won't eat until I start pangs of hunger. Uh, I don't really get cravings anymore, which is great, usually, unless I'm stressed, then I get cravings. Um, and um, so I would say yesterday, what did I eat yesterday? Um, I woke up and I ate actually fairly early yesterday cause I was hungry and, uh, I had a smoothie, uh, about nine o'clock and in my smoothie, I have typically a glass or two glasses or two cups of goat milk. Uh, I do goat milk, not cow. Um, and then I had frozen blueberries, frozen raspberries, a probably half to a one teaspoon of ground coffee beans. Um, and then I added a scoop of um, optimal prenatal protein powder. Um, so it's, it's not that I'm trying to get pregnant and I, I am no <laughs> that'd longer. That'd be a whole mother. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be a, boy, I get a lot of publicity then. Uh, um, no, it's, it's, it's just a good blend of, of nutrients for me. So that's what I take. And so that's, I don't know, that's probably about 30 grams of protein plus, you know, good fiber from the berries and, and, uh, you know, it keeps me going for a long time. And then the next thing I had was electrolytes. Um, 
and uh, I didn't take any glutathione yesterday. I took some today. Um, and then for lunch, what did I have for lunch? Oh, I had um, some fava beans and from PCC uh, market, natural markets, because I was watching soccer all half the day yesterday. So I was on the road. Then I came home and I had a um, couple bites of dairy ice cream from the freezer. Um, usually I don't do that, but I'm kind of, I'm honestly, I'm, te- well, honestly, partially, honestly, uh, I'm testing my, uh, probiotic and testing my gut to see okay. if I get earaches, um, from dairy. And, uh, I didn't get an earache. Um, and, um, so, and then I had a chicken taco that my wife made last night, which was exceptional, uh, at about eight o'clock. And that was, oh, and I had a piece of dark chocolate filled with honey and it was exceptionally sweet, too sweet. Even my youngest didn't like it. So we had half, half a bite on that and that was it. That's what I ate. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like a good blend. And I miss PCC markets. (laughs) I used to volunteer (laughs) for a lot of their cooking classes. So Mm, yeah, I love PCC. Heartstrings there. (laughs) It rained yesterday in Austin. It felt kind of reminiscent (laughs) of the (laughs) Bothell area, but not quite. (laughs) PCC is in Bothell now. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. New wow. one. Wow. That saves the commute for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending your morning with us on the Naturally Nourished podcast. I will definitely be posting information of the Dirty Gene Summit within today's show notes. And um, also, we'll be, uh, Becky and I will be tuning in today to check out more information from the speakers that launched today. And um, we encourage listeners to grab a copy of the Dirty Genes book. Um, I, I do find, I love the synergy, like I said, of not just identifying your underlying genetic mechanisms, but those that are expressing symptomatology and dysfunction in your body as the more important element to work with. So um, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and, and a final uh, comment on, yeah. on dirty genes. Don't, it, it, don't think of it really, I shouldn't say don't think. Uh, think of dirty genes more as, as a, a lifestyle guide. Think of it as a guide for the rest of your life. It's not a book that you sit down comfortably and read. You can do that. But it's a book that you will always re- refer to and utilize throughout the rest of your life. So it's a lifestyle guide uh, down to your genetic level. Very cool. And I think foundationally aligned with with all things uh, that we do here at Naturally Nourished. So that's fantastic. Thank you again, Dr. Lynch. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.